Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Church Podcast. We're happy that you would join us for today's teaching. As a church, we're passionate about helping people find and follow Jesus, no matter who they are or where they are from. If you have any questions about Jesus, the church, or the teaching you're hearing today, please don't hesitate to contact us online at ericksoncovenant.ca. And now, let's listen to this week's teaching. Well, it's good to be with you today. One of the greatest things about living in Creston is the way that our beautiful valley elevates God's goodness. Whether it's the Skimmerhorn Mountain, Kootenai Lake, whether it's our fertile farms, our local food, or our buzzing bees, or even the generous hearts of our people, it's hard to miss God's care through his creation when we live here. But we can miss it. It is possible for us to miss what's being communicated through the mundane rhythms of rain, of sun, of seasons. It's possible for people to have a worldview filter that is so firmly entrenched that we're blind to the most obvious expressions of God's care for us. And the truth is, human beings have been missing or misinterpreting creation's indications of God's care for millennia. And we can do it today. Even those of us who have faith, who are followers of Jesus. Here's what's interesting about today's story in Acts. Even though we'll be listening to a message that Paul preached to some very confused, out-of-the-way country bumpkins, a message about Jesus that they profoundly misunderstood, we're going to be reminded through it of God's care for us, evidenced through the regular rhythms of his good creation, and in a way that I hope encourages us all. So let's dive into Acts chapter 14. I encourage you to follow along. Uh, if you're sitting in front of your computer, open up a second window at BibleGateway.com and look for Acts 14. I'll be reading from the New International Version. Or maybe you want to follow along in your Bible app or even a paper Bible that you have yourself. But I encourage you to follow along in the story today. We're continuing our series in Acts, and we're about halfway through the story of Acts, but we're also halfway through this first missionary journey that Paul and his friend Barnabas are on. They set out from their home church in Antioch just maybe weeks before, and they're making a kind of arc up through Cyprus and into Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. And then it's like they turn around and they retrace their steps back down home. If you were looking at a map, it's like they make a giant C and then come back. And what we find out on this trip is that they're experiencing really good success. Both Jews and Gentiles are coming to faith in Jesus in some places in great numbers, and the church is growing. But we're also seeing that this gospel success is hard won because everywhere they go, there are those who respond to the good news of Jesus with interest and with faith. But then there's also those who, after considering the implications of this message, respond quite ferociously, even violently. Paul himself sums it up nicely at the end of 14 when he tells other Christians, new Christians, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Um, that this gospel success is hard won through hardship is really evident in Acts 14 because it opens up with both success and hardship in Iconium, which is the modern-day city of Turkey called Konya. After winning many people over to Jesus, a plot is hatched to stone 
Paul and Barnabas. And so they decide it's time to move on. They move out into the countryside. They move into less uh, densely populated areas in the countryside. And they begin to share the good news of Jesus with the people who live there. They're out in the sticks around uh, the cities of Lystra and Derb, and they're running into people. And this is where today's very interesting, wonderful story comes from. We're going to pick it up in verse 8 in chapter 14 of Acts. Let me read the first part of this story for us. In Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? Let's pause the story there. Why are they doing this? Let's try to understand their response. Because it helps us acknowledge how our filters, our worldviews, often determine what and how we see, particularly what and how we hear the good news about Jesus. So Paul and Barnabas are talking about Jesus. We can assume based on all the rest, that they're, as they're going around and they're engaging people, they're telling them the news of what has happened through Jesus and how that connects to them, how he lived, how he died how he rose again, how he is now at the right hand of the Father, and he's the judge of the world, and he did all this for them. That's the kind of news they're sharing. They're letting people who are far away from God, who are far removed from the Jewish story, they're letting them know that what happened in Jesus matters to them. And then, by the power of the Holy Spirit, this man is healed, and everything changes at that point. Because instead of falling on their knees and you know, worshiping Jesus. Instead, they, as it were, fall on their knees and try to worship Paul and Barnabas. Why? Well, because they have a very strong filter in place. They have a backstory that they're making sense of what has happened through that story. Let me tell you about it. You see, the people of that area had an old story that they believed dearly. A story that actually comes to us through the poet Ovid. And it tells us the story of a time when Zeus and Hermes had visited these very people, disguised as mere mortals, in fact, disguised as needy travelers. They were looking for lodging from these people in the Lyconian area. And they went from house to house looking for hospitality, but at every house they were rebuffed. Every door they would knock on, they were turned away. Until finally, they came to the door of a ramshackle cottage where a very poor old couple lived named Philemon and Bacchus. This old couple welcomed these strangers into their home and entertained them out of their poverty. Well, when the gods left the next morning, they rewarded Philemon and Bacchus, but all the other homes were destroyed with, by a flood out of judgment because they had missed the coming of the gods. 
Do you see the connection here? These folks believed a powerful story about a time when they had missed the coming of the gods. And they were very anxious not to miss it again. And so when Paul and Barnabas, or as they had come to see them, Hermes and Zeus, showed up again, performed this powerful miracle, they responded from their worldview in the only way that they knew how. They attempted to worship them as gods through ritual sacrifice. This was horrifying to Paul and Barnabas. I mean, these are devout Jews. The very idea of idolatry turns their stomachs. The fact that they were the ones being worshipped must have been, you know, something they had a very hard time understanding and getting a grip on. And so they they rush up and they, they try to stop them. You know, it's a bit ironic too because they had showed up to tell people how God had become flesh, how God had come to us through human form in Jesus Christ to become the ultimate sacrifice for sin and win us back from death. That was their message. And then it had been misinterpreted in such a way that they themselves were the gods, and now they were trying to sacrifice to them. I mean, no wonder Paul and Barnabas were horrified. Because of their worldview, these Lyconians had missed the very thing that they were meant to hear. And this is perhaps... Uh, the one place where this message that Paul preaches to these illiterate Gentile pagans and the message he had preached just before in, in this synagogue in Antioch, Pisidian Antioch, um, this is maybe the one place where they overlap. A lot of uh, teachers and commentators will talk about how very different the messages were that Paul preached to these two different groups. And sure, they're different. But the truth is, what we see shared here is that people who miss the good news of Jesus often do so because their existing worldview can't allow it. They, are, they discount it because of a story that they already believe. This is true for the Jews. This was true for the Gentiles. And the truth is, it still happens today, doesn't it? I mean, we can be sharing our faith in Jesus with a friend and realize that our friends are hearing the story of Jesus in a way that that obscures it because of their experience, because of their worldview, because of what they already believe or already don't believe. And as a result, the very message we're trying to share isn't always understood. Well, what do we do with that? Let's see what Paul does. Let's move on in the story, uh, picking up at verse 15. So Paul rushes out, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. You know, Paul realized at that moment that he needs to back way up. There's things that are not being caught here. And so he goes for their very foundational worldview. He wants to show them that rather than seeing the fickle gods being responsible for both the blessings as well as the disasters around them, Paul wants them to see that the very creation itself is testimony to the true God's kindness and care for them. 
These Lyconians were country folk. Uh, we use the word sometimes pagan to describe it, but that word itself just means people of the country who were often the last to find out about things that were well-known in the cities. And so that was a term that was often used to kind of denigrate or call down these country people who were a bit superstitious and a bit clueless. Well, the truth is, these Lyconians were people of the country, people of the land. They lived closer to the earth than perhaps some of the city dwellers. And while Paul may not know their language, it's clear from the story he doesn't know their own language, he's able to adapt and to call them to see something that they maybe never had considered. That the true, living, creator God has been calling out to them through his creation, through the very basic rhythms of rain and crops and food. He wants them to see that God's kindness has been providing for them through the things they may have taken for granted or may have attributed to other gods. Paul's trying to make this connection. The God who's been providing for you all along, this God is real. This God is now making himself known to you even more clearly through the person of Jesus Christ, through this healing of this lame man, through us, Paul and Barnabas, coming to you to tell you the good news about Jesus. And all this is happening because the true and living God wants you to know him, wants you to come into friendship with him, wants you to turn away from dead idols to the true and living God so that you can receive forgiveness and new life through him. The Jews, of course, had the covenant which pointed them to Christ, and it was much more clear. But these Gentile pagans also had creation, and Paul wants them to know that that itself has been testifying to the goodness of God to them. Well, it was no easy task, and even with all of that, Paul and Barnabas had a very hard time stopping these people from sacrificing to them. This was probably the nightmare of all cross-cultural missions, you know, at its most challenging. When your message has been turned on its head and you become the focus point, I can't imagine what they were experiencing. And the truth is it becomes even more difficult for them because that kind of crowd is fickle. They went from wanting to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas to turning on them, to stoning them, to leaving them for dead outside. Well, they weren't dead. They got up, dusted themselves off, and moved on. And it makes you wonder whatever became of that mission, whatever became of those folks. But as it turns out, quite a lot actually. Even in the midst of that hardship, God was at work. Just a little later in Acts, we find out that in spite of all this profound confusion, in spite of this clashing of worldviews and all that was going on, a vibrant church was actually planted right there among these very people. And in one of those churches, a boy named Timothy was there a biracial kid who ended up becoming one of Paul's co-workers. And two of the letters in the New Testament, 1st and 2nd Timothy, were penned by Paul to this very boy. And so God was clearly at work. As we've been seeing all through Acts, the Holy Spirit is committed to fulfilling the promise that Jesus made, that we would be his witnesses. And yes, that witness is often very hard won. But it's never without effect. It's never without effect because God is active through the suffering of his church to help people find and follow Jesus. And a vibrant, growing community is the result. Well, how do we take this to heart today? 
there's a lot of places we could have gone with this. On a regular Sunday, I might have wanted to talk about worldviews and witness, because there's some really great stuff in here. But for today, I'm going to kind of push that off and maybe circle back to that when we come to Acts 17. There's a lot of crossover between those two stories. For today, I'd like to apply our story to our current situation as we are experiencing an unprecedented social distancing because of COVID-19. And I want to apply at least three ways that we can respond to today's message because of this. The first one is to embrace this time of social distancing as an opportunity to drink in the goodness of God's creation. Paul makes a very important worldview claim here. That creation itself provides testimony to the kindness and the care of God for us. During this time of self-isolation, I encourage you, as you are able, to get out and breathe the fresh, clean spring air here in Creston. To not interpret this self-isolation as that you always need to stay inside the walls. Get out into your yard. We, unlike a lot of communities where they are kind of stuck inside, we have the opportunity to take a walk down the road and and to, to see the mountains and see the creation. And so I want to encourage you, as you are able, to watch for the signs the goodness of God being shared with us through the creation around us. And might I add, for those of us who maybe are really struggling with um, anxiety, uh, maybe even with mental health during this time, for those of us who maybe are watching the news cycle a little too much, or maybe scrolling a little too often through our social media feeds, um, it's also very good for our mental health and our emotional health to get outside and to breathe and to exercise and and just to see how creation itself is testifying to God's care for us. And so I encourage you to do that, to take that opportunity to embrace, to drink in God's goodness to us through creation. The second also comes from today's message from Paul, and that is that you would eat your meals as though it's from the hand of our Father. You know, it's interesting that God, that Paul, sorry, makes the connection to God's care for the Lyconians through even their meals bringing them joy. I think that's beautiful. And perhaps there's an opportunity here to see that even in the daily eating of meals, even in the mundane preparation of a meal, an opportunity for us to celebrate God's goodness to us. During this time when many of us have had, well, all of our other appointments canceled, where we're home at night now, a lot more. Um, Isn't it interesting that maybe we have an opportunity to prepare our meal a little slower, uh, to actually spend a little more time thinking about that? And my encouragement to all of us as we both prepare our meals, as we serve our meals, as we eat our meals, that we would do that with a sense, uh, perhaps a heightened sense, that we're eating this as, as an expression of God's provision for us to bring us, yes, health to our bodies and our minds, but also to our souls as we experience the joy. And so maybe there's some way this week and in the weeks ahead for us as we eat our meals to see them more clearly than ever as an expression of God's care and love for us. The third one is this, to enjoy caring for each other. Of course, As we care for each other practically in really concrete ways, that is one of the key ways that God's love is revealed. We know this. This is like basic Christianity 101. And during this time of isolation, we need to know there are still so many ways that we can care for each other. Yes, 
some creativity is needed. And I think that's pushing us to some really good things. But what is not being told to us in this time of social isolation or social distancing is that we need to stop caring. No, no, we need to rethink how we're caring, but there are so many ways we can reach out to each other to utilize the gift of social media, the gift of technology, to reach out with phone or Zoom or Skype or FaceTime, whatever works. And you know what? Go shout at your neighbor across the fence. You can maintain good social distance and still connect. Maybe there are ways of sending meals. Maybe there are ways of sending flowers or cards. Maybe there's honestly just ways that we can really intentionally pray for one another and then let each other know that you've been praying for them. But my invitation for all of us is to actually enjoy this time of caring for each other. Even as we appropriately protect the vulnerable, as we appropriately practice what we're being asked to practice for social distancing, we can still care. So those are the three things I suggest. Get outside, eat with joy, and of course, care for each other. Lean into that together. This is a unique moment in our history. We all acknowledge that. And we have an unprecedented opportunity to not only see God at work, but to join him in that. You know, as Paul and Barnabas circled back through the same places that they'd been stoned and rejected, but also planted churches, they gathered together these new believers from this very place. And they encouraged them with these words in verse 22. It says they strengthened the disciples and they encouraged them to remain true to the faith. That's when they said, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And friends, that's our message to you today. Wherever you are, whatever you're experiencing, may you be, be strengthened by the Spirit. May you remain true to your faith, knowing that, yes, it is through many hardships that we have to enter the kingdom of God, but we've got Jesus leading us the whole way. May God be with you. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope today's teaching provided you with life-changing truth and valuable insight. We hope you've learned of some practical steps forward in your spiritual journey, whether you're finding Jesus for the first time or you have been following him for years. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by what you heard today? We invite you to share this podcast so they can be encouraged too. For more information or to ask more questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for the Erickson Covenant Church.